Hello and welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and today I'm here with Patrick Kinney and Diana Martinez from Film Streams, and we're talking about the film Punk the Capital. People said you cannot do this here. You know, this is a radical kind of music and it can't happen in DC. But once it took root, it grew in ways that we could have never imagined. If D.C. seems like a town that punk shouldn't happen in, then maybe that's exactly where it should happen. And it did make us want to scream. And if I ask why, y'all arrest me. And if I call you lie. A lot of ideas all came together and broke free from what could have been just a real kind of forward momentum of just rock and roll and no time for that. DC really turned it up a notch. And to the people that hated punk rock, hardcore punk rock became even more offensive. Their value system is radically different from that of most Americans. Because it's a government place. Every time there was a place that would form a scene, it would be quickly shut down. We're outnumbered, we're disliked. All we have is our allegiance, this music. When you have alliances like that, that stuff's forever. Certain bands who got really huge referenced the DC punk scene as a core reason why they even existed. And you realize that it's a movement. In the late 70s, a new kind of music was making its way around the world. It was aggressive, fast, and in your face. It was punk rock. You had the Sex Pistols in London, Ramones in New York, but in Washington, D.C., there was something else happening. It was louder, faster, and it railed against the contrarian, anti-everything aesthetic of early punk rock. They were promoting living drug-free, positive mental attitudes, and community. The documentary Punk the Capital explores the movement, or at least the first five years, featuring a breadth of archival footage and photos and interviews Punk the Capital is an effective film at documenting this time. This film is beautifully done to an extent. I'm a fan of punk rock and hardcore, so I found the film captivating and I loved learning new things about the scene that produced so many iconic bands that I loved growing up. But from a cinematic perspective, I think the cinematography leaves something to be desired, the way the interviews are done leaves something to be desired. And also, if you aren't a fan of this music, it may not pull you in. And after some conversations that I had with Diana Martinez, which you can hear in the podcast version, there could have been a deeper exploration about inclusivity around race and gender. Punk the Capital is a beautiful film for exactly what it is. Fan service of punk and hardcore. With that, what were your guys' thoughts about Punk the Capital? I had a good time. It was a fairly straightforward documentary, which I guess is to be expected um, of a music documentary. But I thought, um, as not a super fan of the DC scene, but definitely somebody who is like steeped in its lore, I thought it did a good job. And it's probably going to make people who are steeped in that lore happy with its uh, faithfulness to the, to the like legend of DC hardcore. 
as I've said before, I've been, I watched a lot of these kinds of documentaries back to back <laughs> because of my fiance. I think this film was kind of interesting. I really liked its approach on like a very concentrated first five years of the DC punk scene, which I thought um, like a really great way of like honing in on a really long history. Like a lot of these documentaries have the same people in them and have very similar like narrative trajectories that made it different. However, I don't know if those first five years were the most interesting five years or the most like musically um, pleasing five years. It's a little abrasive. It's called hardcore, Diana. I mean, I know, I know what hardcore is, um, but especially like the early stuff, like we're in the, when we're in the seventies, like when we get um, really any of the seventies, except for bad brains, I think to me, it's just like, it feels different. It's not as fun. It's not as hard. I knew a little bit about DC punk and hardcore. I've always liked minor threat. I've always liked bad brains. I've always liked teen idols. I liked a lot of the bands in here. I'm not one of those people that like, loves bands and then has to know everything about them. Like I'm like that with cinema. I'm like that with films for sure. But unless there's a documentary <laughs> about a time or about a music scene or a band, like I don't know anything about it. I loved Minor Thread growing up. I know Ian McKay is straight edge. I knew he was vegetarian. That's all I knew about him. Kind of getting more of the background and seeing the archival footage for me. And I thought that was the best part about the film. The interviews I thought were terribly shot. I did not understand their choices of angles (laughs) (laughs) or like why people have to be sitting. Backgrounds. Like I understand like looking off, off, you know, the camera, whatever, like that's the thing people like, but this was just ridiculous. But <laughs> besides that, I thought that the the text and the archival footage was so beautifully done. The DC scene was so well documented. It was self-documented by the people who, and it's just like a, up to their personalities too. Like they were just people who saved a record of everything they did. So all the show posters, they were like recorders um, and they saved it. Like that's part of it. It was like, there's the Discord house. Discord's a, a label associated with DC, which is like a museum, an archive of these people's projects, which is, there are people like that in every scene to some extent, somebody who's just like the historian, the documentarian, but um, there were a bunch of those people in DC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like they have everything. Yeah, it's really interesting coming from a place like Denver that had no real lore or music scene. Like even coming to a place like Omaha, which had like Saddle Creek, which was like, that was like a lore that we were looking at from Denver as teenagers, like looking at Saddle Creek and being like, ooh, what is this Omaha place, you know? (laughs) But it kind of harkens back to a documentary we talked about a couple weeks ago, the Paris Caligrams, you know, where it's like, these people were consciously making a a story. They were consciously making a story about DC, hardcore, and punk. Like, it it seemed like they knew what they were doing the whole time. Like, it wasn't like, it didn't seem like something that just like, like maybe some of the bands at first organically happened, but once that happened, like these people consciously were like, we're making a story. We're not New York. We're not LA. We are DC, we're the capital of, you know, we're the, we're the place where power lives, you know, like, and we're like saying, you know, some words to the the powers that be like to our parents. Cause I think there's a part where they're interviewing the teen idols and they're like, yeah, my dad works the IRS. And like the other one's like, yeah, my dad works for like 
some other government agency. I forgot what it was, but you know, these, these people were like more consciously rebelling against like their parents, which means consciously rebelling against like, you know, and that might have something to do with that like documentarian streak too, just like that government influence of like, get it in triplicate or whatever. Archive <laughs> everything. Archive everything. Maybe <laughs> true, it's confidential yeah. for 50 years. <laughs> yes. That's so true. I, I wonder if that does have something to do with that. Like these kids all see their parents. Like, like the story of America is, is just building a story and a lore based on like histories that are very chosen histories. Right. So, you know, maybe them being in this hub of where that happens in the country and in the world, you know, is they're bringing that to their music scene. Well, and not for nothing. It is also like the DC scene is like strongly aligned with the heart, with the, the straight edge movement, which is abstaining from, you know, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, a bunch of stuff. So like, these are all like sober teens and 20 year old people. So like, maybe they just needed something to do as well. So it's like, <laughs> we're going to create an archive. Eh? Yeah. that And that is one thing that I think I really um, like a, appreciated about like the straight edge or like the like vegan straight edge scene is that like, it really takes a kind of level of reflection and maturity on the part of young kids to see musicians who they musically idolize but are also be like they're burnouts and just like (laughs) junkies and like we don't want to be like them no because I think the narrative about young kids is always that like they're very easily influenced um but in this documentary, you see like actually quite a lot of them had like the straight edge movement was a direct reaction to how they saw like their musical idols kind of like fall um, to like drugs and alcohol and like a, an, an actual choice to like not make those kinds of decisions. Um, and I think, you know, if we think of like contemporary generations of like Gen Z, like there are definitely things that they're like choosing to do in ways that they're creating their culture that's trying to like weed out the toxicity um you know of like generations before them and I think that that's something to like kind of recognize of in youths in that sometimes they do actually have um that ability to be reflective and they have history on their side to be able to like willingly not make the same mistakes as people before them yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about Minor Threat and like Ian Mackay and, and stuff like that and Fugazi later on and Embrace and all of his projects is like, you know, it was always a reaction to watching, you know, like not glorifying like a story like Sid and Nancy, you know what I mean? Like not glorifying like the Sex Pistols and all the horrible stuff that they did or or just being contrarians, you know what I mean? It was like, hey, how do we like actually like make a, I mean, it really was like a, how do we make like a safe place? You know, so it was a reaction to that lifestyle. And even with like bad brains, it was like positive mental attitude is like something that they really embraced, like PMA, you know, they were like really putting that out there back in the seventies, you know, like it was all about like the positive kind of side of community. And, and then with bad brains, you know, their reaction to not only the sex pistols and stuff like that was oh, we can play faster and harder. You know, they sound like they're just like slugging along. Like we're going to like come out here and just like destroy them with their music. 
and I, I I just thought that was kind of a interesting uh, thing that I've never really thought about like a direct reaction, but it definitely was like bands like Minor Threat and and stuff like that. They were just so fast. I think that's a really good point, and I think that it does speak again to this movie being sort of like very generous. It's not really an interrogation or even that much of an investigation of of what happened in the scene. It's more of just like a a tribute. It's a very um, it's a very friendly documentary. I think one of the things that is that was missing for me, and I actually think if if when more people make more documentaries about um, hardcore movements, I think this is the part that interests me the most is that like there's a lot of implied politics, but especially in like the DC scene, there was a very explicit politics of like anti-fascism and for some bands socialism. Um, and there's like a mention of those things um, and a mention or kind of almost like an implicit link that there was, you know, this one band with like a very socialist message that also had like black um, band members. And then that they were kind of like banned from playing at one of the main um, kind of punk houses in DC, but like th- there was no discussion about that. There's also very little discussion about gender and really how in the film, <laughs> these pretty much all male punk bands kind of infiltrate what was once like a feminist space and turn it into like a punk house where women at one point, because the scene becomes kind of violent, like don't feel welcome anymore. And so like, I think those things are interesting. And I don't think that any documentary I've seen um, in any of the different kind of like regional scenes has addressed these things well. Um, You know, what were women's roles in this scene but then also like what was the role of race like there were huge bands with like black members with latino members and the party line seems to be like oh like race wasn't a thing we were accepted but like so many of these bands like had explicit anti-fascist messages and there were like skinhead kids infiltrating so race was had to be a discussion what was that discussion um, and I still like don't really. I think it'd be a better movie. <laughs> no, if I'm only going by what I see through these documentaries. No, I think there's a better movie, definitely with most of these punk documentaries. That I feel like the one that did it the best was uh, I was going to talk about it in my recommendation section, but the one about Kathleen Hanna and um, you know in, in Bikini Kill. It'd be, that was the only one that I thought that because of the subject matter, like really tackles like gender specifically um in a in a way that feels more exploratory or more curious about that i do think there's a lack of curiosity in the fact that like bad brains is a black band you know and there were some other bands that had you know some people of color in them but all in all like punk and hardcore is dominated by white middle class men and there is something to be explored with that. And that's definitely something that, you know, I did not think about when I was younger, but now that, you know, I'm older and I reflect back on these things, I'm like, there is with a lot of these bands, there's a, a hatred of racism. There's a hatred of, you know, kind of fascist movements and that's there, but I don't think that there's a explicitly like, how do we be anti-racist? How do we be welcoming to 
uh, other communities and people of color and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's ever really dealt with. And I don't think that these kids, you know, knew how to deal with that. And even as we grow older and we reflect back on it, it's like, how do we talk about that? And, and I think that would be an interesting subject to discuss because, you know, one of the bands, I mean, the band that really sets this film off is bad brains you know but where are the other bad brains like where what you know what i mean like why was it just bad brains you know what was it about that community that allowed for this one band to really be dominant but didn't welcome like more people of color into the audiences and into the spaces where these shows happen and into the record labels that were formed and into the punk houses and stuff like that like why wasn't it more welcoming what could have been done differently that we could think about in the future as we build hopefully build more music communities and stuff like that and especially thinking about gender i mean why is it just the kathleen Hanna documentary that can talk about it why can't it be more you know what i mean like and another thing i mean this like you said this whole scene was set off like i'm thinking of bad brains was like one of the first bands that they start talking about that really set off this era that they're talking about and then like one of the first people in the film is a woman who was kind of like loved all this music and she was like championing all of it you know but where were the women that were welcomed into playing the music and that were able to stay and maybe run labels or be in the be in the spaces you know like on a more equal footing yeah you're right and i i I guess i just don't wonder if there's like more interesting stuff to be mined by this archive that people have Right. Like, are there articles within these zines that are like addressing these things? Like, I'm, I'm sure there are. So I just think it would be interesting. Um, like I said, I think I like how this film focuses on a very specific set of years. I would like maybe a documentary um, of this musical genre to like focus on like, this is how hardcore dealt with the race from like 1975 to like 1995 you know like something so focused and specific i think that'd be cool i think it'd be interesting so with that what should people watch with punk the capital so i'd recommend um it's a very similar documentary in spirit but it is omaha focused it's a documentary that came out last year called uh the cog it's about um the cog factory which is sort of a legendary diy space here in omaha and the director kyle benicky um put this together um Tall Order could not be a more storied or uh, the cog was a place that everybody felt they had ownership of. So for some brave soul to like step up and decide to tell the story, it was uh, good on him. The response was really good. We did an event with him virtually during uh, the pandemic um, and people were so excited about this documentary. Anyway, it's free on YouTube. Search for the cog Omaha uh, documentary um, and have a good time learning about some of Omaha's punk past. Thanks, Patrick. I'm going to go watch that now. <laughs> I never knew about the cog. So my recommendation, um, because I think we should just center women who are part of really cool bands, which I think that this film was missing. Um, Joan Jett, Bad Reputation. Um, it's a great documentary. It has lots of archival footage from um, her years in The Runaways to being um, you know, a solo artist. And I think it's just a really cool um, documentary about, um, and like, especially if there are younger women in your lives, like make them watch this documentary so that they understand um, kind of like the history of 
women in rock because they think it's like really good and contextualizing like why Joan Jett was um was so important to like creating the myth and persona of like the female rocker I'm gonna I have three quick recommendations so one I already mentioned is the punk singer uh it's about Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill and La Tigra it very much deals with like um the riot girl movement that was kind of like you know, in the early nineties, uh, that really was like women focused punk and hardcore. I just, it's a good movie, regardless of if you like punk and hardcore, it talks a lot about, you know, women and spaces that aren't traditionally that, you know, were kind of dominated by men. And I think that that's an important thing to talk about. Also, I want to talk about another one that I have recommended before. I think when we talked about, um, that film that I can't remember the name of, but I have recommended this before, but it's called Lost Punks. Uh, we are all we have. It's about kind of this Latinx like punk movement in LA. And I think it's just a lot of backyard shows, a lot of, you know, really cool bands that I've never heard of that really spotlighted a community that I did not know existed. And uh, the other one is just a magazine actually called She Shreds. And I'm just like, it's just about women and rock and women guitar players. And, um, you know, it's a really cool magazine that I saw came out a long time ago in response to a lot of the guitar magazines. Whenever women are on the cover, they're usually in bikinis and are not musicians. They're just like modeling guitars. Um, and this like magazine really came out as a reaction of that. And it's just a really cool project that I think that, um, you know, I hope a lot more, uh, girls and women are able to see this and see themselves in these like not just punk and hardcore but in rock and roll spaces and in like you know musical spaces in general i would like to thank patrick kenny and diana martinez for joining me today to discuss punk the capital Punk the Capital is now available on film streams at home. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure.